0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Victoria, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 30th, and we are reading from the big book, Chapter 8, Two Wives, beginning on page 111 at the top. Um, Today, our readers are Michelle... In Sharon, Ruth W., Fran, and Judy B., reading in that order. The share code for yesterday, January 29th, Tuesday, is 3778. The OA Preamble. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Irini to read the 12 steps, please.
1: Thank you, Victoria. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, I thank you, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Irene. Margaret, I will now ask you to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Margaret in New Jersey. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are about trusted as problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group wants to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, O readers, anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA is such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve ten. O Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven. Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the Big Book, Chapter 8, to Wives, on page 111, the very first paragraph, beginning with the first principle of success. Michelle, would you begin
2: reading, please? Yes, thank you, Victoria. Good morning. Good morning, Vision. For you, this is Michelle, a recovered compulsive O-Reader. The first principle of success is that you should never be angry, even though your husband becomes unbearable and you have to leave him temporarily. You should, if you can, go without rancor. Patience and good temper are most necessary. Um, so it's stated we're, we're reading in the chapter to the wives. And um, in this paragraph, isn't it interesting they're mentioning um, the word principle and they're talking about success. And um, going back to the beginning of the chapter on the first page, um, the wives are saying, you know, in this chapter, you know, we're wives of alcoholics and um, we're gonna, we want to analyze the mistakes we've made. And they go down further and say, hey, we've had long rendezvous with hurt, pride, frustration, self-pity, misunderstanding, and fear. Sounds like like the disease. Sounds like what I faced with my disease as a compulsive overeater. And um, now they're saying as a spouse, uh, that's what they've suffered from, too. And they they further say, we've been driven. We've been driven to that maudlin sympathy, to bitter resentment. And they were veered from extreme to extreme. Um, all with the hope that, you know, their loved one would become themselves once more. So they're setting us up. They're telling us um, about the disease, how the disease is affecting um, the spouse. And um, then then they go on to say, you know, page 107, you know, we sensed dimly that we were dealing with six men. And then they say, you know, had we fully understood the nature of the alcoholic illness, we might have behaved differently. And then they go on and continue to to describe their problem, the problem, um, the disease, the progression of the disease and living with the disease. And now it sounds like they're starting to give some good orderly direction to the wives, to the spouse, um, because my disease, living in my disease, I, you know, I was sick. Um, I, I didn't want to behave that way, but I, I did. I was, you know, I too was living with resentment and fear and um, and caused those same things. I didn't cause them, but that's, that's the problem. That's the disease And this is how it was affecting the people I lived with, my loved ones, especially my spouse, the person I was closest to. So they're giving them a principle for success. They've analyzed their mistakes. Here's the problem. This is what I'm living with. And they're saying you should never be angry, never be angry. Um, They're going on to say, um, if needed, um, get away from it. Um, Don't engage. Um, You know, Don't enmesh in this disease because, you know what, it's powerful. It's powerful, and you're not going to be able to control it any more than I was able to control my disease. My loved one wasn't able to control it either. And don't get angry. Um, just take care of yourself. And then they say, it sounds like patience and good temper. That sounds like tolerance and love, doesn't it? The same principles. Uh, it sounds like they're starting to outline um, how can the loved one who's affected by this disease, which cannot be controlled, which is powerful, cunning, and baffling, what is their prescription, what is their design for living for a successful life? And so starting with this paragraph, is the first principle of success. And with that I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Would someone else like to comment on what was read? Good morning, Paula. Ann, let me ask Ann,
3: you.
0: I'm sorry, I didn't hear who was speaking.
4: Anne Marie?
0: And then Anne Marie, go
4: ahead, please. <laughs> and then Paula, I heard. <laughs> it. Uh, I'm Anne-Marie a Compulsive over Eater and um, just needed to really <laughs> speak up on this paragraph. Um, I've learned that my focus does no, does me no good when I keep my focus on the um, the loved one in my life. I need to focus on what my behavior is and how I either react or respond. So to continuously look at what the loved one in my life is doing does me no good. Um, It's very important um, for me to, and I've learned, I've learned to respond rather than react. And I can't say I do it 100%, but um, it just helps so much. Because when I react, or when I did react, um... I just got myself so upset. And then I would blame the loved one in my life. So um, it's just, it's, you know, and then I remember the serenity prayer. The only person, the only thing that I can change is myself through God's help. Through God's help, I can change me. There is nothing I can do to change the loved one in my life. And, you know, sometimes I put a lot of expectations on this loved one. And you know, I I think have I ever gone to a hardware store, and to go and buy hairspray? Have I ever gone to a hardware store and gotten angry, so angry that they didn't have the hairspray that I wanted? No, I don't do that. And but yet, I was going to the loved one in my life, expecting them to behave a certain way, but they had they had no ability to do that, you know. So I've got to remember that I have a program. I've been blessed to be open to um, suggestions. Um, and the loved one in my life does not have that, does not have a program, does not have, um, she has the ability, however, she has chosen not to reach out to God for some reason or other. So, you know, that is her choice. And the last thing I have to, I really can't be quiet about this, is um, the only thing that I have found in the big book that I disagree with is this very first sentence. The first principle of success is that you should never be angry. Well, we are going to be angry. And it's not only we are going to be, it's okay. I've learned that I need to deal with my, my um Feelings. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be sad. You know, it. You know, we've heard so many times when we put down the the food or we put down our substance, we're going to feel better. Yes, and we are going to feel anger better. I have learned and I am learning because I don't do this 100%. But I learned what to do with the feelings and how to deal with the feelings and how to you, turn to God and turn to other people that have gone through some of the same things that I'm going through with loved ones. And that's what, you know, this, this chapter is suggesting, is that turn to other wives that have gone through and have had some success. You know, and Al-Anon has helped me tremendously to be able to give me um, some tools that I need. Um, and I've I shared with, with some of my friends the, the, and I'll just end with this, is the Al-Anon vowel. And and learning how to respond to someone. Oh, e, ah, uh huh, oh. You know, I don't have to get into a dialogue. I don't have to get into a, a, a fighting match with my with the loved one in my life. I can keep quiet and just you know remember to use my Allen on vowels, and with that I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. This is Victoria.
0: I'd like to comment on what was read. Um, Early in my recovery, when I was a newcomer, and in the first months especially, the first year of my recovery, I was encouraged to read this chapter to wives from the perspective of the alcoholic. Um, My sponsor advised me to do that. It was very good advice uh, because at that time... I would have been thrilled with directions to my family to never be angry with me. It would have validated my belief that I was victimized by life, by my family, um, that I deserved kid-glove treatment, um, and that it would have taken the attention off myself and my shortcomings and put them on the shortcomings potentially of my family, and I would have been all too happy to do that. Uh, Earlier in the Big Book, on page 82, we're told, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections are uprooted, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. Um, I really, in my first year in recovery particularly, needed to keep my sight on myself because it was hard for me to see those character defects in myself. And once I did start seeing them and they popped up in the ways that they had for years and years, keeping the home in turmoil, I needed I needed full-strength solution from the Big Book to keep my eyes on myself and what I was doing. There was another passage at that time that was put before me many times. I was redirected back to it in the Big Book, which relates to this paragraph we're reading here. It was on page 62. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So when I read this chapter from the perspective of the alcoholic, rather than the perspective of the family member in early recovery, it helped me to get a clear picture of the power of the disease in their lives and the damage that the patterns that my disease had, um, had deepened in me that were running riot in my life also uprooted the lives of others. And that's where I needed to keep my attention. With that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on?
5: Lea. Leah, go ahead, please. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. This is Leah, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, in the chapter to wives, which is essentially a twelve-step call by wives of alcoholics on wives of alcoholics, it says here the first principle of success is that you should never be angry. Um, even though your husband becomes unbearable and you have to leave him temporarily, you should, if you can, go without rancor, without anger. Patience and good temper are most necessary. Obviously, these wives are presented with a challenge. And the big book is giving them good guidance here when it says patience and good temper are most necessary. How in the world is uh, are these spouses supposed to accomplish that? Well, that's what these principles are all about, principles such as patience and good temper, principles such as love. Uh, you know, how how do we get to that point? Well, that's the relationship with God, because this is a challenge, obviously. And let's face it, life is a challenge. Life is a challenge. At every stage of our lives, God constantly provides us with new and unique opportunities uh, to use life's challenges to develop our individual greatness so if God can give us the will and the strength and the freedom to choose what we will do with these challenges as someone said previously we can choose to respond rather than react how can we approach these challenges with courage and serenity you know how can we view these challenges as opportunities for change and for personal growth instead of being uh, out of control and feeling overwhelmed by them how is that possible Well, you know, the program is going to guide these spouses to the fact that they need a higher power too, (laughs) that in the program of recovery with a dependence, a trust and reliance on God, we can learn how to embrace life's numerous challenges such as living with an alcoholic or being an alcoholic and transform all those challenges into positive opportunities for personal growth and a deeper connection to God. Because expectations of other people, my behavior, my expectations, my wishes, my old ideas, those expectations are my lenses to the world. And to the degree that I demand anything from somebody else is my emotional stability impossible because that's a faulty dependence. My basic flaw had been the faulty dependence on people. For me, on substances and cell- cellophane bags and bakery boxes, and on people and on circumstances and on situations to supply with me with a feeling of well-being and supply me with a feeling of security and happiness. And what they're guiding the wives here is to say, you know, don't be dependent on your spouses to supply you with that feeling of well-being and happiness. Because there is a safe harbor for you, and that harbor is your higher power. And in the protection and safety of that higher power, with that relationship, you will have the strength to meet this challenge with patience and good temper. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Victoria, can I share? This
6: is Robin.
0: Yes, Robin. Go ahead, please
6: thanks, this is Robin, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I have the same thing to say that Leah does. I just happen to be married to a recovered alcoholic. And, um, you know, when you're living with somebody who is uh, sometimes angry, sometimes dry drunk, sometimes there's a lot of emotion going on, And I didn't learn until I had become abstinent that I did not have to take on his anger or anybody's anger, that it was his anger, and he was entitled to his feelings. And so what was the solution to that? Well, just like Leah said, it's, it's a higher power. And as long as I thought that it was necessary to fight fire with fire, I was going to compound the situation every time. I was going to turn it into being about me. But what I discovered after I had been abstinent for a while was that I could recognize when somebody else might be having crazy thinking. Uh, There might be something going on there that's got nothing to do with me. And what I can do is pray instead of interacting with that person in that moment. It doesn't mean that I remove myself from the situation. It's just that I put a protective shield around myself. And I'm not telling anybody that you need to be a doormat because many of us think we're doormats, but we're not. I mean, face it, we're not doormats. We usually have a way of fighting back. And I was doing much more damage in responding to the angry person than I needed, that I needed to. And if I put a protective shield around myself by praying, I don't hear what's coming at me, so I don't, I'm not left with resentment afterwards. And they're left with themselves and what they've just said. So I learned this with my husband, but I was able to carry it through into the rest of my life as I walk through the world abstinently because people are going to be angry. What do you do when you know a car honks at you because you didn't do something fast enough for them? Well, I can put my protective shield around me and pray. Just pray to my higher power, and I it, it, you know it's it's all about um, not taking on somebody else's crap wherever they are, because we all have it, and you know we're all going to have emotions, we get to feel the emotions and work through them, and other people will too, but I think the key is to just not allow ourselves to be pulled under by that emotion and to let our higher power work in our lives. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Victoria. Thanks, Robin.
0: Um, Sharon, would you please take us into the next paragraph?
7: Good morning.
8: Yes, Mm -hmm. I'm here. And and Victoria, remind me, uh, did we do two... uh, which paragraph are we starting on?
0: We're starting the second paragraph on page 111.
8: Okay, our next thought. Our next. This is Sharon and I am a recovered compulsive overeater and I'm very grateful uh, to be on the line with you this morning. Our next thought is that you should never tell him what he must do about his drinking. If he gets the idea that you are a nag or a killjoy, Your chance of accomplishing anything useful may be zero. He will use that as an excuse to drink more. He will tell you he is misunderstood. This may lead to lonely evenings for you. He may seek someone else to console him, not always another man. So should I stop there or do the next uh, paragraph?
0: Um, Why don't you go on to the next paragraph as well?
8: Okay. Be determined that your husband's drinking is not going to spoil your relations with your children or your friends. They need your companionship and your help. It is possible to have a full and useful life, though your husband continues to drink. We know women who are unafraid, even happy under these conditions. Do not set your heart on reforming your husband. You may be unable to do so, no matter how hard you try wow this is um this is pretty deep the The thing that I thought about when I was reading these chapters is the twelve and twelve is the section in the twelve and twelve when it talks about uh, our sometimes how do we deal with our sometimes deranged family that is crippled that is often crippled by our own disease so here we have a family that has a lot of craziness going on there's a lot of sickness there's a lot of disease a lot of spiritual sickness we would say how do we live in that how do we live in that and as we recover when, well, when we first start, we're the ones that are sick and 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 uh, causing all sorts of problems, and we don't see it initially, and uh, we're really causing other people to re in our family to react, or they have to change so that because we're in our disease. But then, as we recover, they're still ill. So now here we are. We're recovered, and we're living in a home where all that that's deranged where people are deranged where there's uh just uh there's people that say things and do things that could get us into reaction we can be reacting all all of the time to children and husband yet what we are told is that we're not to react we are not to react how do we do that? How do we do that? And I know for me, I was reacting all of the time, and I quite frankly, I still have to have to watch it and I still have to um work on myself i, I to practice these principles in all our affairs, and the twelve and twelve then says tells us that we need, are we able to treat our family members? The the with the same uh, respect that we can. Our, I need to pass. Uh, Thank you, Sharon. Would someone
0: else like to comment on what was read?
3: This is Paula
0: I'm sorry, I didn't hear.
3: This is Paula. May
0: Paula, go ahead, please.
3: Thank you. This is Paula, recovered compulsive over eater. I'm really working with this mutant and, and unmutant that anger that it says it's not a principle. But I must say, uh, I I just wanted to to bring here. This follows through these directions. These directions for living with an alcoholic and a compulsive eater. This is what it's being clear of. You know, you can't have anger because that's, you're not going to see clearly. But yet anger does come. And we're looking at these following paragraphs. How can you be anything but anger, angry? But yet where is the anger going to take you? And, you know, I love um, uh, one of the sayings they say, you know, you can't help the birds from flying over your head, but you can't prevent them from making a nest there. So there it is. Our next thought is you should never tell him what he must do about his drinking. Do you think? He hasn't heard it before. Of course he has. And how many times? By the wife. I've been on both sides of the coin. You, that if you are a nag or a killjoy, you, your chance of accomplishing anything useful, now let's be clear here, maybe zero, pretty low there. Wouldn't want to bet on that. Sounds like a losing bet here. Does it not say we just read on 103? A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. And then it goes on. Someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization, the public, the family, to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness and hostilities Drinkers will not stand for it, and that is what these paragraphs are saying. So I thank you for allowing me to to share and that last sentence, do not set your heart on reforming your husband. You cannot do it only God can. Thank you for allowing me to share again, and with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula.
0: Who else would like to share in what was read? This is Esther. Uh, go ahead, please. oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. It's Esther.
9: Esther, good morning. Please go ahead. Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. I just wanted to comment on the line here in the second paragraph. It's possible to have a full and useful life, though your husband continues to drink. We know women who are unafraid, even happy, under these conditions. So this is probably comes as a message of hope, and, and certainly a big surprise, you know, from the women of the wives of recovered alcoholics to you know the other wives of, of alcoholics that um, they don't, their husband does not need to recover from his drinking in order for them to be happy, and surely this comes as a, as a surprise to them because they're probably thinking, if only my husband would stop drinking, life would be good. If only my husband would stop drinking, then the house wouldn't be, you know, in the, in the state that it is today. And this is not only something that the wives of alcoholics need to learn, but we, as uh, recovered compulsive overeaters or, you know, compulsive overeaters who are in recovery, we know that the same thing goes for us is that um we don't need to have a particular set of circumstances in life in order to be happy. That things could be, uh, all kinds of things could be going on around us. People could be acting in all kinds of ways. And yet, we could still have a full and useful life. We could still be unafraid and even happy under any and all these conditions. Because we, the alcoholics, compulsive overeaters, as well as the spouses of the addicts, will learn, but we're meant to learn, that. Uh, a A way of living which relies upon a higher power to provide us with a sense of security and um, and and happiness is is one which is not dependent on what everyone else around is doing or whatever else is going on around us so this this little line here I think is one of the most hopeful lines in this chapter because i'm sure that you know women of these women who are of husbands who are alcoholic who have not yet recovered or come into recovery. They probably can't imagine that they could ever be happy, you know, if their husband continues to drink. This is probably a very new idea for them. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Esther. I'd like, This this is Victoria, I'd like to comment briefly on the first sentence. Our next thought is that you should never tell him what he must do about his drinking. It's very striking the parallel with what sponsors are told in the chapter working with others. Um, For example, on page 90, don't waste time trying to persuade him. Um, Again, it's emphasized in that chapter for sponsors, as it is here with wives, that unless, excuse me, unless the alcoholic is willing themselves, has made a decision themselves that they want to change and that they want help, it's absolutely futile to attempt to force change. And sometimes as sponsors as well as a spouse of an addict, it can be tempting because of the tremendous pain and frustration that comes with living with an alcoholic or a compulsive eater to force change. And just as for sponsors here, the big book is letting us know, for family members as well, it is futile that only through a relationship with a higher power can those changes come about. Never. Through our um, however well-intentioned attempts to force change. I'll pass. Would someone else like to share on those two paragraphs? Helena in New Jersey, may I share? (laughs) Yes, Helena. Good morning. Go ahead. And then Patricia. Hi. I find that this is uh, a danger for me to start focusing on the people who are around me instead of focusing on myself. I remember for myself that this is written to the wives, to the spouses of the alcoholic, and that I am the alcoholic. I have seen situations that really I found horrendous when people have found recovery and have found abstinence, well, maybe found abstinence, and then um, very quickly after that the marriage broke up. I think for us, the directions for us, not for the wives, but the directions for us are on page 98 about the domestic problem. And uh, it says that we have to make reparations and that we are the ones that must avoid arguing, Argument and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. Those are the directions for us. Just as the directions for the wives are argument and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. And it does tell us that in many homes this is a difficult thing to do. It must be done if any results are to be expected. Um, We, too, can find happiness no matter what our domestic situation, no matter what our situation in any way, shape, or form at all. It is suggested in working with others on page 98 that we invite the family to join us, but we do not force them. Now, the family is being invited to find a spiritual way of life, which means they can find happiness whether or not, means our family can find happiness whether or not I stop eating, whether or not my behavior changes. And it goes the same way for myself. No matter what my family members do, I need to focus on my own spiritual demonstration. So it's interesting that we're reading two wives. I'm always trying to look at how can I read this so that this applies to me and I am not, in my mind, starting to justify my behavior toward anyone else. Thank you, Elena. Go ahead, Patricia. I just want to say how great God is um, in my program because I am dealing with somebody that's addicted in my family and, you know, I'm doing this program with OA and y'all and it's like, wow, God, look what you're doing for me. You're teaching me how to deal with them, you know, through, this pro- through you know, my program. He's teaching me how to deal with somebody else, you know, and, and for me, this is awesome and I just want to thank y'all. I passed. Thanks, Patricia. Anyone else want to share before we move on? Hi, this is Beth from California. Beth, go ahead, please.
10: Hi, this is Beth, a recovered compulsive overeater from California. And um, I just want to hit that first um, sentence, too, that um, we can't push um, an alcoholic to recover. And no one could push me into recovery um, as a compulsive overeater. You know, that had to come from me. And, um, you know, it's cautioned earlier in the big book, too, that, um, you know, that kind of pushing, you know, and nagging or or whatever words you want to use could, you know, um, make the, you know, person not want to recover and, you know, push them further out from the recovery. And um, I know that had to come from me from within for me. I needed to be that desperate, compulsive overeater to work these steps. Um, But if I had, you know, my husband or my parents or my kids pushing me along, you know, that might have put my back up and and I might have, you know, taken longer. Um, So I, I personally really just do appreciate this caution. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Beth.
0: Ruth would you please read the next two paragraphs, beginning with um, the second to the last paragraph on page 111, which begins, we know these suggestions are sometimes difficult, and continue with the paragraph which follows. Per- Ruth, could you press okay. star 1 to you? I'm here. It took me a second. Hi, I'm All Ruth right. W., of overeater We know these suggestions are sometimes difficult to follow, but you will save many a heartbreak if you can succeed in observing them. Your husband may come to appreciate your reasonableness and patience. This may lay the groundwork for a friendly talk about his alcoholic problems. Try to have him bring up the subject himself. Be sure you are not critical during such a discussion. Attempt instead to put yourself in his place. Let him see that you want to be helpful rather than critical. When a discussion does arise, you might suggest he read this book or at least the chapter on alcoholism. Tell him that you've been worried, though perhaps needlessly. You think he ought to know the subject better, as everyone should have a clear understanding of the risk he takes if he drinks too much. Show him your confidence in his power to stop and moderate. Say so you do not want to be a wet blanket; that you only want him to take care of his health. Thus, you may succeed in interesting him in alcoholism. And um, one of the things that I've been seeing through all of
8: this reading is, is how we as um, how we as, as the uh,
0: as the person who has you know who's in the disease. Um, you know, they're telling us, you know, we, we know how that person is going to react. And I know I've been on both sides of the, um,
8: of the equation.
0: but And in that place, um, the best thing that someone could do for me is to ask me to, you know, get to know more about the seriousness of the disease I have because I, I didn't really get it for the longest time. And even when I started to get an inkling of it, you know, the more I would read about it or find out about it, the scarier that it would get. And that's a good thing to be scared of this disease because it takes such a long time to move out of that um, denial. I mean, the disease has so much denial attached to it. And, and also that when anyone pushed me, I reacted to them and I, I totally left my part and went into their part, and I could spend, you know, days, months, and years
8: being resentful at my husband for saying such and such to me, um, you know, or how overweight I was uh, without being able to get back to what it really feels like to be tortured by this disease the way I
0: was every day and The food helped me to check out, but um, people allowing me to live, you know, live in my own reflection, you know, to live with myself, that that really is the torture. And um, not that our family needs to torture us, but in the end, it that, you know, we have to come to the end of our rope, and that usually only comes by um, being able to be with ourselves And for me, because of my disease, anything that happens outside can trigger me to stay outside of myself, and it's one more reason why I have to eat. I have to eat because of what they said. I have to, you know, whatever it is, there's always a good excuse. Well, how about if there's no excuse out there? Wow. Then I have to pay attention to myself, and it reminds me of once I got my divorce, See, I thought everything was about my husband. If only he was gone. Then my life would be better. Then I wouldn't have to eat. Then, you know, all the things that I thought were a problem were him. Then I got a divorce, and I became, I came face-to-face with myself, and none of the problems went away.
1: It got worse.
0: And for the first time, I lived outside of the illusion of, and the delusion that it was him that was the problem. And that helped bring me to a point where I could come to my bottom and become recovered and it was, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me. And people don't always have that opportunity, but um, this is a way that the loved ones can create that space where it's like a, the person gets to look into the pool of, you know, the still pool of water and see themselves clearly. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Ruth. Would someone else like to share on what was just read? This is Margaret. Margaret, go ahead, please. Good morning. Good morning, Vision for You, Uh, Margaret in New Jersey. I I just have a short share because somebody, I can't remember his name. It was not Don. It was the one before who gave his story on a special edition. But um, it helped me so much when I started thinking about how I can help others in my family, how I can fix them. And he left me the words, recover, recover, recover. And whenever I get my mind thinking about how I can do this, how I can change this person, how I can whatever, those words just come to my mind. Recover, recover, recover. And, you know, the other thing, you know, that we learn here is the art of being undisturbed. You know, when I'm not reacting to the family around me and I'm recovering, then they see something that's worth looking into you know I I don't know if they'll look into it I I never know but it takes my mind out of thinking I can you know playing God and thinking that I can make somebody recover because it only pushes them away you know because it pushed it pushed me away it was this sense of uh, you know having somebody like just draw me in that um, helped me to recover so Those words are just really helpful to me, and um, I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Margaret. Would someone else like to, to share about what was just read?
5: This is Leah.
0: Leah, go ahead, please.
5: Thank you so much. It says, we know these suggestions are sometimes difficult to follow but you will save many a heartbreak if you can succeed in observing them. And what are those suggestions again? Well, the big book makes it clear. It says our next thought is that you should never tell him what he must do about his drinking. It also says do not set your heart on reforming your husband. Essentially, you know, the big book is putting the focus on each and every one of us. It's an owner's manual. <laughs> how do I handle me? Not how do I handle you? <laughs> Not how do I control you? Not how do I dominate you or set my expectations at a particular standard so that you can achieve them. How do I handle me? Because thinking that my external world is the remedy for an internal condition, you know, is, it's an illusion. It's an illusion to think that my satisfaction and my well-being and my sense of contentment is going to come from your behavior, because there's always something uh, washing up on the beach that I would want to change. It says here, be sure you're not critical during such a discussion. Attempt instead to put yourself in his place. Let him see that you want to be helpful rather than critical. So what the big book is guiding me to do is to be governed not by my emotions, not by my feelings of anger or criticism. Criticism to a marriage is what an iceberg is to the the Titanic. What the big book is guiding me to do, for all of us to do, is to be guided by principles. Principles like patience. Principles like good temper. Principles like kindness. Principles like patience, because love and hate cannot exist on the same plane. One will have to be predominant. One will have to be predominant. So these principles, which are spiritual in nature, tell a human being like myself how I should live. And if I can live by principles and be governed by principles rather than emotions, then I'm going to be peaceful and content no matter what you do because I'll be free from the things that used to enslave me and make my life miserable. There will be constant stability, and that stability is going to come from the trust, reliance, and dependency on something indestructible and immeasurable, like a relationship with God. Because the quality of my life is going to be dependent upon the quality of my consciousness with God. And although that's true for me, that's also going to be true for my loved ones. Because since God resides within each and every one of us equally, we all presumably have the same spiritual potential, the same spiritual potential to live a life that's happy, joyous, and free. Thank you.
7: Thank
0: you, Leah. Let's move on to the next two paragraphs. Fran, would you read, beginning with the first full paragraph on page 112, he probably has several alcoholics. Read that
11: paragraph and the next okay. one. Okay. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision View. This is Fran, compulsive overeater. He probably has several alcoholics among his own acquaintances. You might suggest that you both take an interest in them. Drinkers like to help other drinkers your husband may be willing to talk to one of them. If this kind of approach does not catch your husband's interest, it may be best to drop the subject. But after a friendly talk, your husband will usually revive the topic himself. This may take patient waiting, but it will be worth it. Meanwhile, you might try to help the wife of another serious drinker. If you act upon these principles, your husband may stop or moderate and this program is just beautiful because i you know i have my significant other chooses to drink and you know my my choice is the food but i stay out of his stuff and he stays out of mine and uh the other night there was a casual conversation and he brought up the program and I just looked at him. I was just, I'm surprised. I I get surprised, you know. But um, I didn't, like, get all excited or anything like that, but I just felt like God's working on him, just the way he worked on me. And it's worth that patient endurance that it takes to just work on me and bless him, change me. I have to say it a 100 times a day, not just with him, but with all of any any of family members, extended, my own, you know, relationships, friendships, all of that. I have to patiently endure and just look at my part. What can I do to change my attitudes in a radical way? I need radical change, my own self. So I just better stay out of everybody else's business. And they say al is a Mind Your Own Business program. And that's like the hardest thing for me to learn, but I'm learning late in life and I'm I'm thankful for it. So it's great to read this material and I pass. Thank you, Fran. Would someone else like to comment
0: on what was just read?
7: Hi there. This is Gwen.
0: Gwen, go ahead, please.
7: Thank you very, very much. It's good to be here today and, uh, you know there's this this beautiful poem by Gregory Orb that goes, um, "Rage and sword won't open that door. Pick the lock with a song." And I think that, in my view, you can't fight insanity with insanity. You can't fight um, I know what to do with I know what to do. Everyone has problems. People may be excellent, but no one is perfect, and we all deal with something. Even if my partner is not an an addict per se, there are plenty of other things that I have to deal with, and if I fight it with anything less than compassion and attention to my own backyard, my own compulsive overeating, my own insanity of, I know best and you should be like me and do it my way and all of that stuff, all it does is begets more insanity and does not lead the way to opening up the door. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Gwen. We have time for
3: one more brief share. about what was just read. Paula, Paula. go ahead, please. (laughs) Thank you. In brief, I'll make it. I just wanted to look at the sameness here. Drinkers like to help other drinkers. Your husband may be willing to talk to one of them, but wait. This is to the wives, this chapter, so I'm going to just drop it right down. And it says here clearly that we are to be available for the for the other wives. So for what applies to them, we too, the same principle applies to husband number one. Should be should be practiced. All of these, but yet it clearly states that the wife is to go to another wife that is suffering also, and that is what happened with Lois and Doctor Bob, Doctor Bob's wife. Did they not go to each other? And may I end with. My wife became, on 178, became deeply interested, and it was her interest that sustained mine, though I at no time sensed that it might be an answer to my liquor problem. How my wife kept her faith and courage during all those years, I'll never know, but she did. If she had not, I know I would have been dead a long time ago. For some reason, we alcoholics seem to have the gift of picking out the world's finest women. Why they should be subject to the tortures we inflict on them, I cannot explain. But there it is, one wife to another. Thank you very much for allowing me to share with that. I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Judy B., would you please read A Vision for You? certainly. This is Judy B.,
12: Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation, do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order